My entitled manager changes my job, claiming that my job was now to stay at my desk, look pretty, and just make sure I keep people happy. And as a result, I no longer help out at the warehouse I work at, and we fall behind in a serious way. And I've never been happier to maliciously comply to any kind of order at work in my life. Here's what happened. So for the sake of clarity, I'm going to say I work in an industry which is similar to warehousing. It is the same logic in the grand scheme of things. In my branch and several surrounding branches, there are only two staff members to keep the place running, so we all just wear casual uniforms, just a polo shirt and appropriate pants and footwear. I mainly do administration work, and I have a team member who works in the back end of things, but I'm capable and willing to jump outside when required of me. Some examples of me needing to work in the back would be if we have a huge rush, or if I need to send my teammate to help at another branch, or out on the road to collect stock, and I have to fill in for him while he's gone. It's a pretty good setup because working outside really breaks up the monotony of being stuck at a desk all day, and it's easy enough to do both parts of the job when I need to. Some genius in the head office decided he wanted to change the uniform for any and all administration staff to something a little more corporate and dressy, and I can only describe this uniform as a three-piece suit made with the heaviest fabrics known to man. Suddenly, I've gone from wearing a polo shirt, which is comfortable and easy to move around in, to wearing a white long-sleeve business shirt with a vest, as well as a jacket, complete with a shirt, stockings, and a slight heel. I straight up looked like a flight attendant working in a warehouse, and I can barely lift my arms high enough to hold my steering wheel on the drive to work. It was a poorly designed uniform, and I was so incredibly uncomfortable wearing it. And you know what? I was very quick to voice my anger. I first mentioned how it was unfair and borderline cruel to expect staff to wear such a thick and layered uniform when we live in Australia, particularly in a place well known for our consistently high temperatures and the harsh sunlight. I then asked how I would be expected to leave the desk to operate machinery and do any kind of heavy lifting in a suit, a skirt, and some heels. I was met with a promise that anyone working in administration and wearing a corporate uniform would not have to leave their desk to do any back-end work at all. I raised another concern, stating that we did not have enough staff for them to make this particular promise and still maintain our quality of work and hit all of our deadlines. And I was once again met with a strong guarantee that I would not have to do any physical labor in my day-to-day operations. But instead, they said something to me that I honestly never thought I would hear. They told me that I was ordered to sit at the desk and look pretty for clients and never move from there at all. So I decided right then and there I would get some revenge and I would maliciously comply. So from that point onwards, I followed their instructions. I never left my desk. There would suddenly be long wait times for orders and fulfillments because my team member was on the road on a job and there was no one on site to continue his work until he got back. If my team member called in sick, I would spend the day pushing back deadlines with clients, which affected our targets and our reputation. Funnily enough, my teammate only started getting sick because I had to have the office aircon on freezing temperatures just so I wouldn't get some kind of heat stroke at my desk. I was honest with clients who had complaints and I explained to them that I would usually step in to help and make sure that their needs were met but was specifically instructed to not do that anymore and then redirected their complaints through to the customer service in the head office. After a few months of this, I was invited to a meeting with three of my direct managers as well as the human resources representative. They were clearly upset about the drop in productivity and the amount of complaints that we were receiving. I let them all say their piece before reminding them that I raised these concerns to them months ago and I was merely following instructions given to me 
me, which were adamantly clear that I was to take care of admin work at my desk, look pretty, and do nothing else. I let them know my hands were tied, so all I could do was look pretty and placate clients when we inevitably couldn't meet their needs as promised. I suggested hiring more warehouse staff to fill in the gaps left by the administration staff, who were now chained to their desk by their uniform and unable to ease the pressure of the workload like we used to. And at that point, I could see that that comment definitely hit them right where I wanted it to. And they simply couldn't argue with me for following their instructions. So eventually, I was told that they would get back to me on a solution moving forward. Well, here I am at work two weeks later, writing this out while wearing my old polo shirt uniform. I was fully prepared to find another job if their solution wasn't reasonable. And maybe I still will look to leave this place. But for now, I'll happily take this win. The management in this company are awful. They seriously decided, oh, you're just going to have to sit there and look pretty. Not only is that an awful thing to say to somebody, but it's also incredibly demeaning and it completely ignores this lady's expertise. She literally is cross-trained to work in the warehouse as well as handle all the administration stuff. She is not some ordinary secretary who's just taking phone calls. She is literally doing it all. And the fact that they wanted to try and put her at that desk and say, don't move from the desk, this is all you can do, is really, really toxic in my opinion. And if I was in this lady's shoes, you better believe I would be looking for another job. There's no way I would want to stay at an organization like that who is clearly not going to take me seriously, who can, at the drop of a hat, tell me that I just need to sit there and look pretty. Like, no, maybe if you had a proper staff, I wouldn't have to forcefully cross-train just to do all this other work so we can still meet our deadlines and our targeted demographics. Because with how skilled the original poster definitely seems like they are, they do not deserve this kind of treatment in the slightest. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. An entitled Karen keeps trying to use the bathroom in our building, despite the fact that she's not allowed to do it, and we only offered it to her as an emergency option if she needed it. And this is so obnoxious, and we are being disrupted so much that we seriously don't know what to do. So I work at a company that some people, myself included, come in early to prep their work, and the janitorial staff are cleaning and prepping for the day. It's a huge place, and this particular part of the company is empty, except for me and a single custodian. There is a school crossing close enough that people who are there to pick up their kids typically park in the lot and sit inside their cars until they see their kids coming. A few weeks ago, our custodian by the name of Carly, that's not her real name, is putting things in the trash outside and sees the new crossing guard by the name of Brittany, that's also not their real name, who's usually with her husband but was by herself this time. Carly tells Brittany that if there's an emergency of some kind, she should ring the delivery doorbell and Carly would probably hear it. And Brittany agrees. It should be noted that while I'm in the same section as Carly in my catacomb office area, I don't hear the bell ring at all. Fast forward to the start of the next day and Brittany rings the doorbell. Because Carly is busy working and doesn't hear it right away, because she is far enough away in this big building, Brittany rings the bell multiple times. Carly is moving around and finally heard it, then starts running to the back door to let Brittany in, who at this point only had to use the bathroom. Now Carly is frustrated because she thought it was an A-class emergency, but relents out of human kindness and says, sure, use the bathroom, I guess. It should be noted that Brittany is a known person in the area for being kind of trashy by previous clueless Karen-type actions that she's taken in the community, among other things. Because people know who she is, they also know that she lives two blocks away from where she's crossing at. So it's literally a three-minute drive here and a 30-minute crossing window and a three-minute drive home. The next morning, Carly is cleaning by a window, but far enough away from the delivery area and is jolting 
jolted from a bang on the tall windows to see Brittany standing on her toes, pounding on the glass, looking in and screaming that she needs to use the bathroom again. Now, Carly is incredibly frustrated, but motions to the back and just lets her in. Carly is embarrassed and frustrated and flustered and tells Brittany sorry. She's cleaning and she can't always hear the bell where she's at, hopefully giving her some kind of hint that, you know what, she should probably just go home because she lives like right by there. But Brittany is annoyed and said that she nearly went to the bathroom in her pants, if you know what I mean. So she ran off and went to the bathroom. She doesn't even say thank you. And at this point, we all recognize that there was a pattern. So for the next week, Brittany rings the bell every morning to use the bathroom. And not just one ring, mind you, it's several rings, followed by a 10 to 15 second pause and several more if Carly isn't fast enough. It's come to the point where Carly is really frustrated because she's actually doing a job and she's usually not 15 to 30 seconds away from the door. So she has to hustle over there just to let Brittany in. And at this point, Carly already knows who Brittany is. She knows where she lives and she's wondering why she doesn't just use the bathroom at her house before she leaves. She's finding it hard to believe that Brittany has any kind of pressing medical issue that she can't go without 30 minutes of using a toilet just to do the single job that she's employed at. Monday comes and Carly tells me all that was going on. Now Carly is a hardworking person. She's very honest and it's frustrating that her kindness was being taken advantage of. She says that she doesn't want to answer the bell anymore and she really doesn't know what to do. I told her we are not obligated to let Brittany use the bathroom. She has obviously overused an emergency tool available to her and we'd probably get in trouble for letting non-employees in on a daily basis despite the minimal security risk. I offered to go talk to Brittany myself but Carly felt bad and asked me not to but said that she just wasn't going to answer the door anymore and just pretend like she couldn't hear and maybe she'd finally get the hint. Apparently the bell rang several times in succession and Carly absolutely heard it but the call went unanswered. Later in the day as school was let out Brittany decided to make up for lost time and started ringing the bell to be let in and this is while we were full of employees. A third employee who's close to the door who is friends with Carly had heard the entire story up to this point. She opens the door tells Brittany this isn't her personal toilet and that she's not to ring that bell anymore and that she needs to figure out her own bathroom solution. The next morning Carly is outside taking out the trash and Brittany awkwardly tells Carly that her co-worker yelled at her. Carly says yeah I heard that and pauses to stare at Brittany to see if there's anything else Brittany was planning to add to the conversation and upon seeing nothing but an awkward stare back she goes back inside and continues to do her job. It has now been two days and Brittany still hasn't rung the bell since and hopefully it stays that way. Honestly I hate people like this so much. Brittany was so far out of line. She was using something that was clearly only meant for an emergency just as her personal spot to go use the bathroom. Like come on that's so ignorant. Carly was clearly just trying to do the right thing and she was trying to help somebody out and be nice. She didn't have to tell this crossing guard that hey you can come and use our building if something goes wrong. She could have just minded her own business and said I'm not helping anybody. But she was literally just trying to be nice to this crossing guard. Only for them to then completely wear out their welcome. Like how do you not catch on that this is obnoxious? But at least Carly had a co-worker who was more than willing to put this lady in her place. She did not mince words in the slightest. And I think in most cases for people like this who like to overstay their welcome and are completely oblivious to any kind of social clues, being completely transparent and honest with them might be the only way to get them to stop. My friend constantly makes unfunny jokes that really hurt and offend me. And anytime I try to say something about it, he claims that I'm just easily offended and I just need to learn how to take a joke. And things only seem to be getting worse and worse and I seriously don't know what to do. So my friend and I have known each other for a little over a year and we've been 
getting along really well until recently. A series of incidents has led me to reevaluate whether he has a place in my life anymore. And the first incident started in the first week of April where he randomly sent me this message. He said, I am so sorry to be doing this by text message because I'm not strong enough to do it in person. I like you a lot. Knowing you has been comparable to sitting next to a random person in a roller coaster, getting to know them really well during the ride. And now I feel like we're at the end of the ride. I have to step off from the ride. I'm a grown up with grown up problems. And I think we should go to different rides for different people. Now, I don't watch too much TV. I watch a handful of shows very infrequently, and he knows pretty much all of what I watch. I was extremely confused and upset when I received this message, and I was stunned into silence because I have lost a friend before after hearing something similar. So I naturally assumed that the same thing was happening right now. I didn't reply to this message. I immediately called my best friend because I was emotional and having a hard time breathing. We spoke for some time and I took a nap. And when I woke up, he had sent me a long message about how he would be busier at work due to a role change and that what he had sent me was a joke. Specifically, it was a bit from Rick and Morty. Now, I have never watched this show and he knows this. I told him that his sense of humor was very cruel and he started arguing with me about how he was just pulling my leg and if it bothered me so much, I should have messaged him immediately instead of, as he put it, letting him simmer until I thought he had suffered enough. According to him, I should have realized that he was joking because everything in his message was off character. He followed this up with a long rant about how no one in real life would say that I'm a grown-up with grown-up problems, how nothing in his above message was in line with how he usually spoke, and how the only reactions warranted to that message were to say either that is hilarious or what is happening, and that this is akin to a man telling his wife of 50 years that he was leaving her for a hot chick he met online. So essentially, not something that's likely going to happen. The rest of his rant was about how he couldn't focus on that day at work, and this was all because of my lack of response, and how he was really worried that I had misunderstood. He then said the following, I brushed off everything I said, and decided to focus on and pick apart all the stuff around it. But honestly, I think you can't say something so tone deaf and out of place, especially over text message, and expect the other person to not only understand the context, but find it funny simply because you call it a joke. The second incident was a day after this. He bought me a subscription to the self-authoring suite without asking me if I was interested. And when I brought it up, he said to me, I want you to commit to this. I don't care if you think I'm pushing you into something weird. Just tell me that you'll do it. Maybe not tomorrow, but take your time and just do it. You are going to be a careless idiot forever otherwise. I want to hear you say that you'll do it. I paid money for it. I could have just shut up and bought the program that didn't allow me to send it to anyone else, but I bought this one because I thought you could do it too. But honestly, this was unsolicited advice. I never asked for his help and for him to thrust it on me and act like he was doing me a favor. It was honestly not nice. The third incident might seem a little trivial, but it kind of reinforces the idea that he doesn't have a functional sense of humor. So I am home for a few weeks and I bought him a specific food item from my hometown that he had asked for. And I managed to send it back with a friend by the name of Jane, that's not her real name, that was visiting me from the city that I usually live in. Jane was supposed to meet at the railway station and texted him just before her train arrived. Jane introduced herself as my friend and said that she would be there in some time, as well as where he was supposed to meet her. He texted back saying he didn't know me and that Jane had the wrong number. Jane called me and asked me what to do. So I called my friend up and I asked him why he said that, but he just said, it was a joke, come on. And the conversation ended right there. He texted my friend immediately, asking where you were getting down exactly, to which Jane rightfully said, I think you have the wrong number. 
He texted her an apology and they met. She gave him the item and that was it. Honestly, that was not a joke. More importantly, Jane is a complete stranger to him and she did him a courtesy by lugging his item with her all the way. How do you joke with someone that you've never met about something that isn't funny? In retaliation, I blocked his number and I did that as a joke for about two days. He tried texting me every day until I responded on Discord. When I told him it was just a joke, he didn't find it funny and says he was very upset. He said I was being rude. I said that I was just making jokes in the same vein that he does. He then said, it's never on you if you don't get it and it's always on me that you don't. How does that work? Which is honestly bonkers to me. So this really begs the question, are the above reasons enough for me to consider taking a break from this friendship? I really don't want to explain my perspective to him each time, especially when he refuses to listen and keeps asserting that he is the victim, as well as constantly saying that everyone he knows would have found his jokes funny. I'm honestly at a loss and I seriously don't know what to do. This does not sound like a friend in the slightest. This sounds like a bully who is clearly stringing you along and he's doing it because he knows he can get away with it. Like this guy sounds awful and I don't know why you're putting up with this. This isn't grounds just to take a break from the friendship. This is grounds to be like, you know what? I don't want to be your friend anymore. You keep offending me. You're really awful and I don't want to be around you. You just need to put your foot down if you really want some kind of change. Like none of the things he did were jokes. They were cruel. They were unusual and they were mean. There's no mutual repertoire between the two of you that would even excuse any of this in the slightest. Like friendships are supposed to be relaxing, easy, joyful and uplifting. And this is literally just not that. It probably feels like this friendship is some kind of chore and that's not fair for you in the slightest. Like that really isn't. He may actually think that these things that he's doing are funny but you know what? They're not funny. They're immature and they're very cruel. So if I was in your shoes, there's no way I would put up with that in the slightest. I would definitely say that it's time to call it quits on this guy and I would move on and find other friends. My fiance is terrible with money, even going as far as falling for scams for fake Taylor Swift concert tickets. And at this point, I seriously don't know what to do. So my fiance is terrible with money and it really upsets me. She insists we spend money on stupid stuff that we don't need. For example, she recently made me go in half on patio furniture, which I didn't even really want and wouldn't stop complaining until I agreed. The most recent debacle that has me mad beyond means is that she called me asking in a very demanding way that I loan her money to purchase Taylor Swift tickets from some people she found online. I say it's a bad idea and it's likely a scam and that we should be saving money for our honeymoon, which so far I'm the only one who's been saving for anything. She then gets mad at me and I just have to give her the money to avoid an argument. And guess what? It turns out to be a complete scam. This situation angers me even more as it really seems like things like the honeymoon are on the back burner in her mind while selfish things like Taylor Swift concert tickets apparently take priority spending wise. I guess I'm looking for advice on how to deal with this. Is there something I can do to stop her from being terrible with money? What should I do? Honestly, I don't know if there's anything you can do to stop your fiance from being terrible with money, but what you can do is stop caving anytime some kind of argument might come around. The fact that you cave so quickly just to avoid an argument is evidence enough that you need to really stand your ground. You need to say, no, I'm not giving you money for this thing. We need to save money for our honeymoon and that's what I'm doing. And that might be your only saving grace when it comes to having any kind of financial responsibility. And unfortunately, unless some things change between you and your fiance, this is a really good window into how she's probably going to spend money in your marriage. Like you're just engaged right now. You're in the process of getting married and she is already showing that she does not do well with money. And in my opinion, when it comes to a relationship, this is a very important aspect 
aspect of it that you cannot ignore. So hopefully you're able to figure this one out because I'm with you. If my fiance spent my money on tickets that turned out to be a scam, I would be furious as well. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out in the description below and subscribe.